0: Uh, Last week, on Thursday, I went to uh, lunch at Costco. Um, Do some of you do that? I I didn't do it because I was going to wander 10 times through the snack area, all right? But I will say this on a little side note. I have built relationships with those people. So if you see me go to the same person multiple times, I want you to know up front, they have invited me to do that, all right? It's not... It's not my dysfunction, well, there is some dysfunction there, but I don't have much shame in doing that. I do know some of the people there, and I hug them and love them, and then eat all the snacks they have. Within my, I'm doing a thing right now, so I keep within my system my, my, my deal. So I go to Costco, and uh, I go get some stuff for the church. I'm, I'm making a run, and uh, I, I do eat a few snacks, and I zip through there real quick, uh, and I I come back and as I come back I get off the freeway over here and I come down the road and I'm about to pull in here and I go to myself you know I want something to drink. I didn't get anything to drink there nothing was cold. I did get some stuff but it's just not cold. So I'm going to go down past here a little ways and there's a gas station down there with a mini market. <clears throat> I'm going to go in there and run and get a couple little like energy type drinks that I like and maybe a pack of almonds something like that. And for whatever reason And this is tough still even for me as a pastor. You're trying to discern, is it the Spirit of God or just your own hunger? We talked about the hunger too, right? There's a tension. Am am I listening to God because he's asking me to do something in the Spirit? Or am I just doing it or whatever? Sometimes we make it too hard. Just, I don't, the tough thing is we we shouldn't always do what we're thinking in here, right? Or here. There's some tension sometimes. All right, you're going to have to figure that out, okay? We can do it together if you want, but... But, but sometimes we should just go for it if we feel. And so I say to myself, as I get close to the turnoff to go down in there, I say to myself, you know what, I'm not gonna go to that place. I'm gonna go to the Crown Market a little further down because sometimes they have better deals there. Like, it just it's kind of, I know, you're looking at me like he's messed up. I am. It's all right to embrace it, okay? <laughs> so I go, I pull in there and I go in there to this Crown Market down here on the left, just, you know, another It's not that much farther down, another quarter mile. So I pull in there, and I go inside, and uh, there's the ladies at the counter, two of them, and uh, if you want deep-fried, really bad food for you, but delicious, they got that stuff there. It's great. I did not eat that, okay? But it's just a little side note for you, okay? (laughs) They don't have it at the other place. They got it there. So I go in, and there's this dude at the door, and I go past him, and I have uh, two things going on at that time. One... I seem to recognize this guy, but I'm paying attention. I'm focused on what I'm there to do and what I'm getting. <clears throat> and that can get in, in the way sometimes of what God wants to do. I go and I look for these flavors of things. I grab some almonds. I go to the counter and I notice that this dude, does, he never moves from the door. He just hangs by the door. And my judgmental spirit, or could it be something else, maybe, is, uh, is saying, This dude, this is shady, man because he has been eyeballing me ever since I walked in there. And I say to myself very quickly, we're going to get robbed, and I'm going to be a part of this, all right? That's what I'm saying. We're going to get robbed, and no one else is in here. And could I take the, you know, I have to put some of the problems we had at the church. I'm always, you know, I'm always lining everybody up. Could I manhandle this guy? I want to think that I'm super tough at 55, but I'm probably not even close to as tough as I think in here, man. Can I take this guy? Can I do this? I mean, then I might, oh, maybe I should pray. You know, I'm, I'm just like a lot of you. And I'm lining this up because he's eyeballing me the whole time. He looks right at me. He is watching me, watching me, watching me. And he never moves from the door. It's super shady to me. And then, as I pull out my wallet to pay and put my card in the thing, he comes walking towards me. And I'm like, and I want to say right now, and he pulled out a gun. you know, And then I fought him, and I won. <laughs> that didn't that didn't. It sounded good, huh? Like, dude, this is going to... So, then he comes up, and he is, if he happened to be listening, I hope he hears the whole thing, not cuts it off, right? But he looks like, like it, something's going to happen. The look, the persona, the physical, you know, the dress, the whole thing. And uh, i I am, you know, just eyeballing out. I go, something's going down here because now this guy's walking towards me. He's got nothing. He didn't buy anything and he's been looking at me for a long time. And then he goes, hey, Ron. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then I look. I actually now am focused on now who, you know, the whole thing. And I look. Oh. And uh, I know his name. We, we, two years ago, probably had some encounters on Facebook Messenger that weren't always pleasant. Um because lifestyle for him and certain things that had happened pertaining to life in the community and stuff like that, um, I just couldn't handle. And so there was this thing that God was doing trying to figure this all out. And I said, like I had to let my defenses down a little bit, like, dude, how are you doing, man? And I said, I haven't talked to you for a couple years. And right out of the gate, this is how God corrects me sometimes too. He says, I... I'm. I was in a bad place. I am sorry. So I'm like, oh crud, you know. And I was ready to fight this guy and think that I'm <laughs> going to get ripped off, right? So I, I begin to talk to him, and it's it's still shady to me because I'm like, he follows me outside, right? And like, what are you in the store for? And he tells me he starts laying out a life a little bit, and at that immediate time, he's in need of a jump and uh, just. Like, he, did, he wasn't asking me for anything. That's what was crazy. It wasn't, I, around here it happens almost daily. And he, he uh, I said, well, why don't you just get in the, like, I do this on occasion, like, just get in the truck with me. And you're like, what am I doing, man, you know? Come on. And he's like, and I had two, I bought two of those drinks, because I'm like, I'm going to have one of these later, too. And out of my mouth is, do you want one of these? And he's like, you really, you would give me one? And I'm like, of course, why not? I mean, part of me was like, no, I would not give you one. But so I don't know if you guys go through diet this debate, right? But we, we, be- we believe because of God, we do the right thing sometimes, even in here when we don't want to or we struggle with it. That's the Lord, I believe. He gets in the car, he needs some gas. I think we have a gas can here. We come here, we don't. I just say, I'm going to buy you a gas can, some gas. I give him some money for gas and say, how can I help you? he's like, I, this is, to me. he goes, this is amazing. I can't believe you would do this for me. And I go, why wouldn't I? Why not? You're, like, the grace of God has to be for the people that are, in their eyes, and maybe even sometimes in my eyes, are the worst of the worst, are the most broken, have even hurt those that I know or love. So it doesn't change the fact that I don't like some of the circumstances around me that I don't appreciate out of the dialogue that I had with him and what I know about it, I still don't like it even to this moment. That didn't change. But the grace of God always passes that stuff. That's what is a struggle for me. So we do that, and then I, I remind myself too that I am supposed to be Though I fail often, a man of prayer, so when I say I pray for you, why not pray right right now? God, his identity has been stolen. His character has been challenged. There is still, obviously, based upon what he's told me, lots of work that you need to do that it's impossible for me to do. That a gas can with gas will not heal. There is a lot to do. But God remind him that you love him and somehow show him that. He told me when I was done praying for him in the car there, he said, I don't think that, like, I don't know how people could love me or God. And I said, well, isn't it interesting that I wasn't even gonna go to this store till literally the last second. Something in me said, go to the crown market. And I did. And it was still a fight. And I didn't tell him, but I thought you were going to rob me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I wonder if we realize some, sometimes, this is where we're going today with chapter 12, that we are in, not only as we've talked about, a physical battle, but we are in a spiritual battle. This life is filled with those things that will cause us to have to relook at the whole picture, right? We are in a spiritual battle. Many of you know this, but I don't know that sometimes even myself take it for granted. The the work that God is doing far above me in a different realm. Look at what it says in Ephesians. Many of you know this, but the scriptures tell us in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. And this is what Jesus is going to deal with. He tells us this many times. He teaches his disciples. He says, a final word, Paul writes to the church. Jesus practiced and showed us this. A final word. This is a big deal. He said, I want to tell you one more thing. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He already establishes there's someone greater, somewhere bigger, something bigger going on. Jesus has told us last week, hey, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. The law is the law. I came to fulfill it, not abolish it, but I'm the Lord of it. I make, he says, I make the rules. He's going to take it a step further and say, I'm also bigger than anything else. Man, there's something bigger going on. I'm greater than all this. So here's what you do, knowing this, put on the full armor of God, God's armor, so that you'll be able to stand firm against strategies, and there's a ton we could talk about with this, we'll probably do it when we come to a book like Galatians or Ephesians, places like that, stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, why? Because you're in a spiritual battle. Physical battle, yes, but we're also in a spiritual battle. For we are not fighting, he takes it further, against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of what? The unseen world. Stuff, here it is. If I was at Costco eating a chunk of brisket that the lady cooked one minute, and the next minute I'm going to the store just randomly, and then the store that's closest I decide, just go to the next one. If I look at the whole big picture to see what God did, He is working, that key word right there is unseen. In an unseen world that I will will not see maybe a glimpse of like I did until I join him and participate in what he's already doing. This goes for us personally too. We will talk about this in a minute in addition to that. There is an unseen world where the enemy is going to use strategies to get to us to defeat us if he can, but we have someone greater because his plan is to kill and destroy, the Bible tells us. When Jesus came in John ten ten to give life and to give life to the fullest. So it's an unseen world against mighty powers in the, he adds to a dark world. It's not good. It's done in the dark, behind the scenes. This is why it even matters too There's that dark world for me that's my character, my integrity, the the behind-the-scenes stuff, the behind, the behind, right? So there's a lot there. And against evil spirits, where? He says it's even in heavenly places. There's something bigger going on. There's something grander going on, greater going on, good and evil. Ephesians 6, 6, 10 through 12 says we are in a spiritual battle. So listen, right now, for a lot of us, it matters then how we tackle certain areas of life if we believe this is true, with your kids. There are times when we look at your kids, we look at the students here, the ones that just went to middle school camp will go to high school camp and kids camp, for example, and we know that there's an unseen world where the enemy is using strategies against our students and kids to make them turn, (laughs) I wanna say this, make them turn into people like Ron. Years of dysfunction and junk when they have the potential and possibility now to not have to deal with some of the stuff that I did. They'll have to deal with other things, don't get me wrong. It's a different world, right? But there are ways right now. It's why we brought on Grant. It's why we have Brent step into what he's doing. It's why we need more of you to step into our student ministry, our kids' ministry. Why? Because there is, an I believe, an unseen world going on that wants to... Not have your kid go to camp and accept Jesus for the first time. Not have them get impacted in VBSs or whatever else or Sunday morning when we promote, man, God wants to be a friend with you. He loves you no matter what. You can be forgiven of sin, all these things. There is an unseen world going on that. that, Because we're in a spiritual battle. Now, Jesus will deal with this, it's real stuff. And it will, in chapter 12, what's gonna happen is we're gonna see, and we're gonna see it in the, the Gospels many times, Jesus uses very strong language because this matters to him. He's been making a difference. We've already 12 chapters of, of uh, Matthew. This Gospel 104 about the, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. And what happens is he has been transforming lives. Now, also in addition to that, We believe uh, at that time, and I don't know, it's an interesting thing today, but they really believe that a lot of sickness and suffering were spiritual issues in addition to just some physical stuff going on. I don't know how that works out today. There's physical issues, they're physical, go to the doctor, get some medication or get some help or whatever, yes. Then there's also some that we also have to understand if this is true, that we have to also approach it with prayer, God, help, and even though it's unseen and unknowing, We still just trust him in it. Whatever happens, I'm with you, right? Because there's death and and struggle and suffering in it. But Jesus approached it that way. He is, and he's taking and healing real pain and suffering. We learned this before. He's freeing captives. It's why he came. He deals not just with the symptoms, but the actual suffering of the people. He'll sometimes deal with symptoms, but remember, he goes behind. What's behind that? I wanna deal with the peace, the hurt souls, whatever it is, salvation. This now is why, because lives are being transformed and people are turning to Jesus. This angers the Pharisees and religious leaders. Why? Because they're losing their grip. And some of it we learned was the control of law and and their pressure of religion. They're losing the grip of the people. They want the, the people with them. They wanna keep them burdened and bound. When Jesus says, come to me, all of you, who are burdened and broken, and I will give you real rest, rest for your souls. This angers them. They want to defeat him. They want to get rid of him so much so that they plot and plan to kill him. But the greater one is here. People start bringing their worst cases to Jesus. No one could help them. Doctors couldn't do anything. Suffering some of these people for years, the brokenness of life, and identity being gone, and just the struggle. They're coming to Jesus, demonic people, free. They're coming to Jesus and getting healing, and help, and encouraged, and strengthened, and freedom. Not just for their life, but their souls. Hearts are turning, lives are changing. And so he will come across so strong, because the Pharisees seem to up their game a little bit and almost approach it not just from a physical level but a spiritual level and it angers Jesus i think with a holy righteous anger this bothers him why because we see now let's work through 12:22 to the end of the chapter 50 i'll give you some principles to wrap up but Matthew 12:22 look then a demon possessed one of the worst of the worst comes he was blind and couldn't speak in addition to being demon possessed and he's brought to Jesus Jesus then healed the man so that he could both speak and see and begin to see with real eyes, see the work of God, see so much more, probably spiritually than just physically. The crowd was amazed, and they asked, and this is why it angers Jesus so much, could it be that Jesus is the Messiah, the one we've longed for, the one we've hoped for, the one we believe can free us, change us? Could he be the one? People are turning that way. I truly believe, knowing it's a spiritual battle as well as a physical, that there are a ton of people in this valley alone. We've said over 219,000 people, the bulk of them not Christians, not following Christ, I should say. Or don't come to church anymore because they're angered, hurt, whatever. Kicked out, abused, beaten. Right or not, it's how they feel. Statistics say they're dechurched. But I tell you what, I wonder if it was even the young man on Thursday. Are they asking, could he be the one? Could he be the one? Could, but even the deeper thing behind it is, could he love someone like me? Could I change? Could I even be around him? Could I be? one of those with the one. I think there's a lot of people that are still asking that. And it's a spiritual battle, not just a physical one. So this angers Jesus. The response of the Pharisees, they come across, we're gonna approach it from a couple biggies today, is number one, it's with accusation. It's the very thing that they do to us that the, the world's gonna try to do, accusation. One of the ways to defeat then, listen, we tried with the law, we tried some religious stuff, didn't work. He said, he actually told us when we approached him with the Sabbath, remember last week? I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, what else you got? And they're like, oh God, we gotta kill this dude, okay? (laughs) That's, right, we gotta get rid of this guy. He's just nailing it all the time. He's got answers that seem so simple, but they are profound and powerful. And so they decide, "We're we're gonna do a smear campaign against this guy, this is what we'll do. You know what, I think that's a big thing for us today, accusation that you, ha- you and I have to deal with. Matthew 12, 24 through 29. Look what it says. But when the Pharisees heard about the, the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. Let's smear him. He gets his power. They're telling everybody. You know why he can cast out, think about it, a demon? Because he's Satan. He's using Satan's power, comes from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knows their thoughts. He can see past it. To the, in a spiritual battle, he sees the unseen. He knows what they're thinking, and he replies, any kingdom... Listen. He's going to approach it in a couple of ways, logically, and and he's just going to go. Uh, listen. Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he's divided and fighting against himself. This doesn't even make sense, you guys. Put in whatever word. You guys are. Come on. Okay. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I'm empowered by Satan. Then he says, because they had people that were exercising demons, he goes, if I'm empowered by Satan kicking out demons, then what about your own exorcists? How about them? You know that's gonna make them angry too, right? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have just said. Oh God, he's doing it again, right? This is making them angry, but if I'm casting out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God, look at how he turns it on them. Okay, but if I'm doing it, and it's the kingdom of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. I'm it. Remember how I was Lord of the Sabbath? I'm better than this, too. I'm Lord of this. The kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone, ah, even stronger. See how he's doing it? I'm stronger. I'm greater. I'm bigger. I'm badder. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. He's saying, that's me. I'm it. I'm that one. And so he wraps up and he's, he's being accused by them. They lurk on the fringes, these Pharisees, to accuse him. They don't fully embrace him, Jesus, and who he was and who he is and what he does. So they attack and they begin to attack and it's says, you should evaluate this a little bit, your character and identity. One of the biggest problems today for people is their Identity. The enemy, if it's a spiritual battle, will try to do a smear campaign against you. Now, there are legit times where we've blown it, we've messed up, we need to go with repentance and forgi- you know, ask for forgiveness. There's that when we've made a mistake, but there's also that whole part of accusation. Uh, we listened to a guy at this conference we went to in the, in, the, uh, in the wintertime, and he had a whole teaching on that, that it's not just the act anymore that matters, it's the accusation that we have to watch what we do and say, I need to do a better job at this because it doesn't even matter if I really did it or not. I can be accused of it. And with social media today, it can be spread and go and it's almost too late. It's too late to deal with it. One of the biggest ways that the enemy is gonna try to attack you, he did it in the young man on Thursday, he's gonna do it constantly with people, is their identity. Oh God, you think that God is gonna accept you? You think that he's near? You think that he loves you? Do you think that he's forgiven you? No, he doesn't. He hates you. Look what you did. Look what you did. Look what you did. Attacks character and identity. Character and identity. So one of the things behind the things that honestly is a spiritual battle, not just a physical battle, it's your character and identity. We have to watch now our character and we have to protect our identity. And listen, in the community of believers, it is probably one of the greatest things that we can do to help one another. It's why coming to church is important. It's why gathering in small groups is important. Because you're reminded from those in here, and if you're not, we need to get better at it, who you are in Christ. You come on a Sunday morning through those doors, and I hope there's a greeter that goes, welcome, welcome here, you are home. Thank you for coming. You are, you know, they can go over the top a little bit once in a while, but they just speak into your life. Thank you for coming. And you felt when you were walking in that you were not supposed to be there today. If you knew, maybe in their mind, you know, in your mind, you're saying, if you knew what I did this week, but that person is just speaking life into you. It's a spiritual battle in the unseen going, man, you are here. We love you. We're glad you're here today. God, thank you. And then, man, you hear hopefully from us at least often and many, many, many times throughout through a song, through prayer, through the word, whatever, man, here's who God says you are. And the enemy's going, no, you're not. It is just the classic picture, right, of the devil and the angel on your shoulder going, "I am, you know, and you're just fighting. You're Paul, Romans 7 and 8. Why do I keep doing this? I don't want to, but I do. And then you just fight, but then he goes in the end, man, there is no condemnation. Thank you for Jesus. That's why this is important. The enemy's gonna attack your character and identity. Revelation 12, 10, and 11, we'll come back to it later, man, it says that he stands up there accusing, man, the brothers and sisters before God. And then it talks about what Jesus did. This is what he does. Jesus even will tell us, I'll come back to it again. Man, this is illogical. This is not consistent with the way you live. And so one of the things that they're gonna attack is that very thing, the consistency of the way you live and the fact that it's, some of the stuff they're saying, it's illogical. It does not even make sense. The enemy is going to attack your character and identity. This attack is very serious and has serious consequences. Matthew 12, 3032. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, Jesus says, This is again why he comes so strong, because it matters so much. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, and look at that word highlight every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. You can, he even says, speak against me. Just don't speak against the Spirit. We'll talk about that in just a second. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or the world to come. This has big consequences. This is why the enemy attacks it so hard. You can speak against Jesus, he says. I'm a man on this earth at that moment. That's what a lot of them believe. But don't speak against the very spirit that leads to repentance. And so one of you in here might go today, listen, I'm worried. I don't know. I grew up and I thought that if I cussed the Holy Spirit, did any of you ever deal with this? That I'm out. And I felt like the enemy was trying to get me to cuss the Holy Spirit. That's that's not a strategy of him. It's it's much deeper than that. When we talk about this blasphemy part, and this is why it's a big deal, this is something that comes up that has to do with renunciation, refusal, refusal, rejection to embrace repentance and the work of God, and then attribute that very work to Satan. The whole road to forgiveness then, why is this such a big deal? Why does it say it's unforgivable? Because you don't even believe the whole road to forgiveness. You're attributing it to someone else, something else. So blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is just a complete rejection of God and taking that whole thing that God has offered and saying it's not even of God. I mean, you don't even have the option there. And there's people that sometimes have gone that far, have just totally abandoned. You can't accidentally do blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So if someone is bound by that this morning, I want to tell you it's not some accident you had, you know, during the week, oops, I, I said something wrong. One of the big cliches is if you've already worried about it, you probably have not done it, <laughs> right? But I say that because we need to be free from that. There's this thing that you think maybe you did it, and here's why I say that and why this implies here. That's an accusation of the enemy. The enemy comes and says, you did blasphemy the Holy Spirit. You're un- it's unforgivable. Some of you even say, do you see what Jesus says? Everything can be forgiven by him, by him, by him, right? There's identity, character. We need to remind people of that constantly. You can be forgiven. You can be forgiven. You can be forgiven. The guy on Thursday, you did some horrible things. You did horrible things to people. You can be forgiven. You can be free. You can be forgiven. You can be free. Do you hear me today? This is anger, Jesus, rightly so, because so many people were being told that they could not be forgiven. The enemy will attack your identity and character. He will accuse you. That's what he does. That's his great strategy. Maybe I can't make them do something, but I can go deeper. I can get them to think something about themselves that isn't true. Or about following Christ as a whole. What you believe and then proclaim, then he takes it even further. Jesus does, it matters. Matthew 12, to 37. He goes on with this, this accusation element. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. We're at another teaching because it's gonna come up again. But then he calls them some, Bad, Some bad stuff, right? You brood of snakes. You're a bunch of snakes, man. You're vipers, he'll say. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? Like what you're saying, you are trying to convince the people of something else. He, what's interesting is, it's almost like Jesus says, you called me a demon or the devil? I'm gonna call it back to you. What you're saying And then fruit of what you're saying is what you're doing, it is impacting the people. It angers me. It matters. How could evil men like you speak what is good and what is right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Here's how it played out for me on Thursday. I saw this dude. I know what he did to a certain extent. Why not? Because it was true and real and you hurt people that I love. Why not just condemn him? Why not remind him how bad he is? Why not just tell him how no good he is? How he hurt these people? You know what? He already knew it. The words I say matter. A world out there thinks that some of the first words out of our mouth are going to be what? Condemnation. Come to church. Let me remind you how horrible you are. Welcome. Glad you're here today. Hope you come back next week because I'm gonna do it again next week. (laughs) This is no excuse for sin. We gotta call out stuff sometimes. Jesus did it. That's not what we're talking about. We have no right to condemn people to hell. God, he already told us, I'm greater than that. I'm greater than that, right? The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. It matters. Comes from the heart. There's something deeper going on. Something more that's happening. The enemy's gonna attack our character and identity, the thing behind the thing that causes you to question the character and identity of Jesus as well as your own character and identity. The other thing he does very quickly is entrapment. And so they're gonna try to accuse Jesus, do a smear campaign, and they're gonna try to trap him in some areas. Remember 1 Peter 5.8, many of you know this, says stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. What does he do? Prowls around like a roaring lion, looking, looking, looking for someone to devour. And that devour often is entrapment. Matthew 12, 38 through 42, they're gonna now try to trap him in some areas. One day, some teachers of religious law, Pharisees came to Jesus and said, teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. Prove it to us. It did not come from a desire to come close to him. To know him, it was all about just getting him off track, off purpose, and uh, he says only an evil, adulterous nation would demand a miraculous sign, but the only sign I'm gonna give you is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of a great fish for three days, three nights, so the son of man's gonna do the same. You know what he's speaking of, his death and burial, resurrection. He says in 41, the people of Nineveh, man, even stood up and repented, And now someone greater than Jonah is here. He said someone greater than that. The whole city did it. The cows did it. Everyone repented. You should. He goes on in there and he talks about those things. And he says, the queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it. For she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon, greater wisdom than Solomon is here. I'm wiser. I'm better. I I call people to repentance because it's why I came. What I'm going to do, you're going to see that in death, burial, resurrection. But you refuse, he says, to listen. So they wanna find ways to entrap him. Here's, just quickly for you, here's some traps that we have before I give you some principles to think about with me. There's the trap of performance. Doing what you want over what God has called you to do. They want him to do what they want him to do. And he is not performing for them. I think a lot of us, a lot of people out there, reject Jesus because they don't have someone who will do what they want them to do. If that's the case, you're not ready to follow Jesus. It's some entrapment from the enemy to get Jesus to be some puppet puppet that you control. Hey, Jesus, I need more of this. I need more of that. Oh, I'm mad at you because you didn't come through for me. That could play out in a lot of ways. They want a sign. I think a lot of people out there do the same with God. Show us your credentials. Prove who you are. But he is not some performer on a stage for us. And that's what a lot of them wanted. So the enemy is going to try to get us to be entrapped by that whole element into expecting maybe that God owes you a sign or make it all about you and what you want, making God into that performer. He's also going to do what the enemy does, and they do this to him, the trap of uh, empty religion. Matthew 12, 43 through 45, he says the inside matters. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert um, seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return where I came from. It returns and finds a former home empty, swept, and in order. Spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there so that the person is worse off than before. So there's emptiness. They get fixed, right? Right? but they don't fill it with God. So many of us, we want God, go back to that performance, to fix us, help us, but then we don't fill ourselves up with him. Do the very things that will help us with that. Like, wow, I'm clean now. I feel great. I'll just go back to how I was doing. It's like marriage or something like that. Some of the things that we struggle with. We don't want to go back to the way we were before. We want to now, right? Be different. Different transformed by the power of God. There's the entrapment then of, last one is self-deceit. I can change on my own. I just need to do more. Now that I've been freed, I don't need God anymore. But the Bible tells us, Jesus says it's gonna get worse if you do that. This trap of empty empty religion and then self-deceit. Or, these guys will fight it and say, hey, listen, we, were the, we, we are the sons of Abraham, so we're in. I think there's some element sometimes we think, even we have it here in America, that we're Americans, so we're Christians. Is that how that works? No. Look at Matthew 12, just to wrap up the story, 46 through 50, then I'll give you some quick principles, and uh, the worship team's going to come, we're going to have some communion and Try to go practice this stuff. Jesus is speaking to the crowd. His mother and brothers show up outside. They ask to speak to him. Someone says in this crowd in the house, hey, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they wanna speak to you. You need to go to them. Jesus says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? The belief is that he held his hands out over the people, right, and he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So often the enemy is gonna try to self-deceive us and, and, and get us thinking that, you know, because we're Americans, because we go to church, because we do the right things, we're good people that we are in, and it's all good. We've not filled up the house of God, these temples of God, you could say, with the very things of God, with an expectation that because we did a prayer, even, it's my struggle, and many others, with The uh, sinner's prayer, good, but too many people go, I said the sinner's prayer, I'm going to heaven, I'm done, and I just go live my life. That's not how that works. He doesn't call us. He can use a prayer to begin that process, to begin that, that newness. But man, there's so much more, isn't there? So much more going on. Jesus creating something brand new. And these people wanted Jesus to come to him. He says, I'm inviting you to come to me. Look at what he says, just for your, your principles here today. One, how do we respond to the strategies of the enemy? These are some things to do. Look with perspective. I think one of the things that we need to do constantly is recognize who's at work, who's behind it. Jesus did this very well. We need to ask God for discernment. But even on Thursday for me, I had to look. Here is my picture of this guy. This guy is gonna steal from me. This guy is gonna rip me off. This guy is eyeballing me. He's gonna beat me up. Whatever I thought, right at that moment. Now, luckily, that didn't come out. I didn't say it out loud. But I had to look at what's behind the thing. Wow. This guy needs to know Jesus. Needs to come home. Needs to embrace forgiveness, identity. He can change. It can be different. There's a lot, lot to do there. But we gotta look with perspective. Look at the bigger story. Look even at times for yourselves as Jesus did. Is this logical? There are sometimes the the, the attack of the enemy. It doesn't even make sense. Like, look at it from a logical and consistent perspective. This doesn't even make sense. We look at the heart, deeds, words, they all go together. Jesus would do this with Peter when he'd say, hey, you know what, Peter would go, when Jesus says, I'm gonna go die on the cross, and Peter would go, You're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to let that happen. And then Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. He's not calling Peter Satan. He's looking behind the thing that is said to the truth of the heart, the truth of the enemy, the spiritual battle that's going on. Look with perspective. Two, love with forgiveness. I think one of the things that we're going to have to practice more and more, I had to do it Thursday, and I did not like it. (laughs) Ron, can you forgive this guy? Part of me is in my mind going, nope, I can't, no, don't want to. That little devil's like, you shouldn't, man. You know what? He's not going to change. He'll never change. We hear that from people. God's going, really? If you're going to hold him to that standard, then you're going to have to hold yourself to that standard. Love with forgiveness Read this later on, Galatians 5, but it talks about, my my picture is we need to fight with fruit. So I just picture like grabbing apples and throwing them at people. Hey, you need to know Jesus, boom, orange in the face, you know, whatever. It's not, it's not that, but what if you read that, because the whole, read the chapter, Galatians 5, write it down this week. Wow, fight with the fruit that he gives you, forgiveness and love, all these things Love with forgiveness, we're going to have to practice that. Listen then, number three, and watch what you say, and then do. The words that come out of our mouth sometimes, we don't want to have to go back and ask for forgiveness unless we need to. Why not listen to what's going on because we've looked with perspective, we're ready to fight with fruit, and then what comes out of our mouth is, wow, this is a tension going on, but God loves you. God forgives you. Listen and watch what you say and what you do. This matters. The devil's the accuser, but Jesus took care of that, Revelation 12. Number four, avoid empty religion. God has transformed some of your lives. We fill it up then with him, whatever that looks like. Today, we do that on Sundays. I fill myself up today with relationship with you. Here we are. Man, I'm feed off of what you guys say, real stuff you say, not the, Ron, you're the greatest, I like your shirt, that's all nice, and I like that, it makes me feel good, right? But I feed off, like today with Neil, I go up, he moves seats. One of the things that happens is I touch my wife, I try to before I go up, and Neil's been there, and I always give him a hug, then he moves, but I make my way in. Why? It feeds me to be reminded of, man, these people, I'm with them, we're together. I try to do that with you because it feeds me. I don't want it to be, you know, too much, but I I need that. Text some of my men's group, give me. Things you say it matters. We fill ourselves up with the things that matter. God's word and prayer, so many things. Then love and forgiveness, things about care that have to do with character and heart and identity. And then the last thing, stand up with me, will you? We're gonna go if you're online, if you're here, if you listen later on, come join the family. The invitation is Jesus, from Jesus, come be with me even in all your struggles, because the enemy's gonna try to get you to go another way, come join the family. Like, you could be part of something bigger and grander and greater, but you cannot be neutral to Jesus. He's not like, if you want to, you wanna come hang out? He's like, come. You're, man, he even does it strong, right? Because it matters. You're with me or against me, come on. Don't stand outside. Accept the invitation from Jesus and join his family. He invites all to come to him. I want to be that kind of person for others and then the way that I feed feed life into other people as well. It matters. It makes a difference in this world. And Father, today as we take communion together, God, may we be reminded of who we are in you because of you, not because of what we've done, not to be trapped by trying to do it on our own strength or self-deceit, or uh, you know these attacks and accusations, or empty religion. God, we fill ourselves up today with you. Even through communion, we take juice, eat bread to be reminded that you sacrificed on the cross for us. You gave your life because we matter and we're worth it. How much more should we let a world know that as well? For those of you, uh, us in here that struggle with some of that, or God, even forgiving those that hurt us, We recognize it's hard. It may be a process. It's a struggle. We recognize that. So we ask for your help. Lord, there's so much more, but I pray that you speak to the hearts of individuals, God. And Lord, ultimately, we want people to come home. Come home. Your invitation is come, all of you who are broken and weary and burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.